0: Morning, folks. Great to be with you. Famous line from George Best, who most of you will know. He was once asked on a talk show, Are you glad to be here? And he said, I'm glad to be anywhere. (laughs) I'll explain that one in a moment or two. Um, It is a delight to be with you, it really is. And um, obviously, we meet about eight miles away on Heaton Road. We're sister churches in, in the Elim movement, and um, I know you're going through change, obviously, and I'm, I'm as sad as anybody that uh, Jay's moving on. He's a good friend of mine. We've met regular over this period of time here, and Fiona with Debbie as well, my wife. And uh, But I think we all know deep down he needs to be released to the wider body, and uh, he carries something. This is a hard pulpit to fill, isn't it? My goodness. <laughs> He preached for us two weeks ago, actually. The, the, the week after he'd uh, had his final service here, he preached for us, and uh, it was outstanding. It really was. Um, yeah, we've sung or learned a bit about being renewed there through what we've sung, haven't we, inwardly, and it's a good job, isn't it? Yes. You know, I was saying to, um, I was saying to Dean recently, um, I played football a few weeks ago. We were on a mission to Wales and my son's a pastor in his church, in our church. We just a kick around, you know, on a park and a picnic. It was, and uh, I realised I can no longer play. <laughs> it's not a surprise, really. But, but you know, I, the last time I played competitively, it was my debut for Nantwich Town, and I tore my cruciate ligament. And it was like a big shock because they I think it was about a tenor in those days. But I had no grant. I had no uh, finances for Bible college. And that's why I was in Nantwich. It was Ealing Bible College. And it was like, what's happening to me? And I never played competitively again. But, of course, I've been able to have little kickabouts and still show a bit, you know. Yeah. You know, Dean, don't you? Uh, but I couldn't. On this, and it was like a death to me. Oh my goodness! My brain sends the same signals, but my body doesn't respond in the same way. So if I try to nutmeg somebody, I can't, you know, can't pull it off now. And my daughter came on at half time, and not surprising me, what's going on right now in in Australia, but uh, she was better than me. That's for sure. And uh, I'm saying that to lean into this as well, uh, Simon's there. I was talking to Simon here just before I was on my way to the loo, and we were talking about how easy it is to forget names. You know, and I, then I called him Jim, but purposely, <laughs> purposely. But <laughs> the confession to make. I went to the loo, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking ahead to the service, as you do when you've been preparing and what have you. Wash my hands, and then I stood like this not realising it was paper towels, not a dryer. (laughs) Now, but inwardly we're being renewed, and praise God for that. Praise God that we're inwardly being renewed, eh? Daily basis. And that his mercies are new every morning. I want to ask a question as I get into uh, where I'm going this morning. And um, that is this. What do you want to do with the rest of your life Because of what you have done up to this point in your life. And that may be a positive question to you, or it may be a negative, because you you could have got it wrong, you could have blown it, but you've got the rest of your life. And we have a saying in in, uh, Kingdom Life Church, and it's this, make the rest of your life the best of your life. And we think sometimes as we're getting on, how can that be? Except for the fact that we have life within us. We carry legacy within us, we still uh, have a heart that can pray. And we've, you know, we've, we've heard about the results of that already this morning. So I want you to keep that question before you because it's not over. And um, in Hebrews 12, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And, and, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. That's a line I want you to take hold of, that we might share in his holiness. There's a reason for discipline, because holiness is the best way to live. It took me a long time to grasp that one, because I saw it as legalism. When I was a new Christian, I saw it as, you know, it's legalistic. It, 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 it takes away from life. I knew it was right, but, but I didn't kind of grasp how much life holiness gives to a person. And, you know, I've, I've shared my testimony here before. I was Royal Navy, At 16 years of age. I lived on a warship, and I was a big sinner. And I had no Christian background. I was the first Christian in my family. I got saved age 25 in Blackpool. And I carried a lot of baggage with me. What I've realized in, in more recent times is this, and I want to help you with it, is, is that we're formed. When we get saved, we're already formed. In, in certain areas of our lives, we've been formed. And the new birth gives us the possibility of reformation. But it's not immediate. And I used to think, why do I still want to do that? Why do I think that way? I love God, I love his church, but I had no experience and no understanding of what formation is and how it can linger and how it can hold a grip upon our lives. Anyway, I'll come back to that a little later. So no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Amen. Praise the Lord Lord for his word. Great chapter there, isn't it? Following the great chapter on faith. (laughs) I want to give you an update on what happened to me in March this year. Into again, into the message that I'm bringing. Um, And what I learned from God in that period. On arrival here in Newcastle in 2019, having lived the previous six years in Tanzania, where I hadn't seen a doctor once, Debbie and I joined the Nuffield Gym. If you know where Greg's is, it's near there. It was their practice to give new members a physical MOT, now I exercised, I've you know, I hadn't won that long before. I'd, I'd done, you know, some, a 10K actually, very slowly, but a 10K. So when my results came back, everything was high. Blood pressure, high. Heart rate, high. Sugar levels, high. Cholesterol, high. Subsequently, fluid retention in various parts of my body. I joined the doctor's surgery near the church And as I said, I hadn't seen a doctor for the previous six years that we'd lived in Tanzania. Therefore, I'd had no checkups. Then came COVID, and I didn't see a doctor for at least two more years, as many of you would have been through. Last summer, my persistent cough that was getting worse led me to having lots of blood tests and an x-ray and a scan. They came back cancer-free, thankfully, because I was starting to be concerned about that, obviously. But my blood pet tests revealed other issues. I was confirmed diabetic and had a big issue with my lungs, though it wasn't cancerous, thankfully. So last September, we moved house, and I eventually had to leave the doctor's practice that we were now in, which was in Gateshead. And uh, they had recently put me on medication for high blood pressure, heartbeat. I was diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. And I was also beginning to suffer with the lung issue from extreme breathlessness. There was a period where I couldn't walk 10 meters without having to sit down and gasp for breath. The problem was I no longer belonged to a surgery at this point because we had now moved to wide open. We were in the interim period, because of moving out, leaving a doctors and joining another doctor's. And midway through February was the day it all went downhill. I started to vomit violently. I was in my office at church, I started to vomit violently. And I knew that I needed quick medical attention. So I phoned the new surgery in wide open, and we joined their practice over the phone. Naturally, I was expecting to get an appointment in a few weeks because I asked, obviously, could I get an appointment? However, that very afternoon, I got a phone call and the surgery informed me that I could go the next morning if I was willing to see a student doctor, somebody in training, the final year in training, who would be supervised by a senior doctor. So I said, yes, of course, I'll be there. This began a process that I now believe was divine providence. That's my point in sharing this, divine providence in my life. Over the space of a few days, I was shocked to be diagnosed with heart failure. You know, in my younger days, as I've said, I was a footballer, I was an athlete, I did practically every track event in my younger years. I did a marathon, I did half marathons. I abused myself as well, you know, uh, during that period of my life but heart failure it was like my goodness I since realized that the last time I had preached which was the 5th of March I preached suffering from heart failure or with heart failure the following Tuesday I saw my GP again she didn't like the fluid that was now bloating my ankles and legs That's when I went to hospital in an emergency admission. It was the 7th of March. I was admitted to the monitoring ward at the RVI. The consultant informed me that I was carrying 10 kilograms of excess fluid on my lungs, stomach, back, legs and ankles. They began to feed me uh, fluorosamide intravenously. I don't know if you've ever had that, anybody, but my goodness... Changes things. You start going to the loo about 30 times a day. And in, in fact, I was in a mixed ward. The, the, the monitoring ward was a mixed ward. And there were a couple of ladies near where the toilet was. And I thought, I better explain. You know, I keep passing these ladies. They'll be thinking, what's wrong with him? I had to explain, no, I'm on this medication that makes me go to the loo. So uh, that's and I was going a lot. So in the period before I went into hospital, I'd been reading The Fourth Dimension, which I'd read years ago by Pastor David, or Paul Yongicho, how he used to be known. David Yongicho, he's, he's, he's since gone on uh, to be with the Lord. And I decided to block out the noise in the monitoring ward, because if you've ever been in one, you know it's noisy, it's active, people are coming in, people are dying. It's, it's, uh, it's like Piccadilly Circus. You know, it's, it's kind of, it, it, so I had AirPods and I put them in and I thought, I'm probably not going to sleep, but I'll listen and hopefully drop off, listen to this. So I had this digital book on the fourth dimension and I kept uh, pouring it into my ears, as I said, and I found myself saying, mind blowing, mind blowing. As I, as, as I picked up on what was being taught, it, it was like, wow, that's mind blowing. You know, some of it I knew, some of it I'd understood. As I said, I'd read that book before. I'd I'd looked into those kind of things. But the truth began to go into my heart. On my second day in hospital, as Ellie said about her life and experiences, God's presence came upon me strongly to the degree I started to cry, you know, hidden. Obviously, people all around me, nurses and that. But I just felt like the richest man in the world. I'll tell you why. I was looking around the ward, and people were very sick, a lot of them elderly, obviously. And I was, I was looking around, and I thought, it is shocking to come to the end of your life and to be sick and not to know Jesus. Shocking. 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 That's what I was, I was visually seeing this before my eyes. And that's why I thought, my goodness, Lord, I know you. Whatever happens to me, I know you. And um, I I, I came across a song, which I knew, actually. But I was looking through, I think, Facebook or something. And this song came on, I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear. You probably know it, some of you. I won't sing it, but it was, it like ministered to me. I kept playing it. For I am a child of God, I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God, and I realised, as I said, God's presence was strong in my life. And you're only supposed to be on that ward for a day or so, and then they find you a bed. For me, it was obviously cardio, cardio ward, and um, uh, but they couldn't find me a bed, so I was I was there three days. But I I actually I didn't enjoy it, but I actually. I had such a strong presence of God and I was talking to people about the Lord and 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 what have you and after three days I moved upstairs. So I began to look back on conversations I'd had with God over the previous months and including my future. As I knew that I reached 66 next year, I've just gone 65, so I'm 66 next year, and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm just starting, really. I'm a lad. I'm a bit of a lad. <laughs> I don't want to stop. I don't. I don't. Personally, I don't want to. You know, it, fair enough if you do, but I didn't want to. I, I feel full of vision, full of life. And so I'd been talking to the Lord, and I had a very strange conversation. And I'm not talking about hearing his voice here. I'm talking about what I've come to know as his voice internally. You know what I mean, don't you? So I'd I'd spoke to her. I was actually in in the shower, you know, innocuously. I told the Lord, I wanted to carry on in ministry beyond retirement age. So he surprised me by asking me if I wanted to go to heaven instead. I wasn't expecting that. My goodness, I washed my hair again. (laughs) Take my mind off it. <laughs> I'm being facetious. I said, <laughs> kind of again in my thoughts, though I know one moment there and I'll be delighted, but I'd rather stay on earth. I have a wife, lovely wife. I have children. I've got grandchildren, one of them less than a year old. And I've got ministry to fulfill. So, Lord, I'd prefer to stay. I've learned a new vital lesson. You see, I came on from the mission field in the year 2000 with a heart issue. I literally flew to England from Kenya. We lived in Tanzania, but I was in Kenya. I literally flew from Kenya to Manchester and then picked up, went to Blackpool. The very first day I was back in Blackpool, I was in uh, accident and emergency in Blackpool Victoria Hospital within 24 hours, I'd already suffered a collapse in Africa, that was the issue, and ELIM missions, who I worked for at the time out there, they said, get on the next plane, come on, you know, you've got a serious issue, and I had, and I ended up in coronary care then, but I recovered, I had ablation, If you know, some of you will know what ablation is, um. To, to put you back into sinus mode in your heart, and and through medication I began to recover, but then I was wrongly medicated, and the result was, you cannot go back to Tanzania. It was like our world collapsed. We, we owned nothing in the UK, our kids' school was Tanzania, our work was Tanzania, I was in, living with Debbie's parents in Blackpool, and just like one room, and I thought, how has this come about? But, God spoke to me, and it was through another minister, and I was, what were they called, the chicks and flicks. Any, any of you remember Dennis Phillips? Were you around when Dennis was around? Yeah. Dennis, of course, was a pastor at Heaton. Very good friend of mine. And he put this chicks and flicks on, so it was pastors and their wives, but just a bit of fun name. I was on the floor in this particular meeting, and honestly, I'd given up on life. It was like I was living physically, but I was dead internally because I couldn't recover from the heart issues. And I got a word, and this will become relevant as I move on today. Somebody stood over me. Somebody was crying their eyes out. A lady, you know, I felt a compassion for me because she could see I was in trouble. And this guy said, you've sunk, but you'll rise and you'll never sink again. That word got into my heart, and I recovered and not only did I go back to Tanzania, I actually went back on one occasion and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> so I took off the victim's T-shirt. But I went back many, many times, not knowing I would go back to live there. You know, we came to Newcastle from Tanzania. So God sorted it all out. It's too, it's too long a story to tell you. But from that time, year 2000, until... The day I vomited in February in our church, I had not had a day off work for 21 years. Now, I'd have been sick, yes, I'm not immune to sickness, but never to the degree that it caused me to have to stay off work. I like what I do. I enjoy what I do, so I'm not looking for a day off. You know, I'll, I'll get plenty of days off if I want them. So... What did I do when I felt sickness? I did what I usually did. I had a three-pronged thing. Forgive. Is there anybody you need to forgive, John? Do it. (laughs) Do you need to be forgiven of anything up to date? Do it. Once you've done that, use the word of God as a weapon. Attack the sickness. And it had worked for me up to this last period. So, I'm trying all those things. It's was getting worse, trying, and people were praying for me. If there was prayer in the church, I'd go out as well for prayer. And I was fighting like mad, you know, to, to come through this lung issue and the, the different issues that were going on in my life at that period of time. And I, I learned a massive lesson, because I believe in those things, absolutely. But but uh, what what I learned in that lesson was, if God is in a seemingly negative situation in your life, if God is in it, and he is in a lot of them, it's no use binding and loosing. You can't bind God as if he's the devil. So, so that's not going to work if God has actually intervened in your life. Are you with me on that? You know what I'm saying, don't you? Instead, you have to interpret what God is doing. He was doing me a favor, believe you me. I can see it now. After all, the evil one may outsmart us, but he can't outsmart God. That doesn't mean to say the devil won't come and try and take advantage of the situation. But I started to uh, not be able to sleep. I'd I'd literally be pacing the house, 3 a.m. in the morning, whatever, thinking, oh my goodness. Because I was still continuing in ministry, and I said, oh, I've got this meeting tomorrow, I'm preaching tomorrow. I'm tired, I'm very tired. And the one who for all those years had been, I bind you in Jesus' name, I come against this sickness. At times, all I could do was say, Jesus, please help me. Jesus, please help me. You know, I'm in trouble. Please help me. So, God began to change my perspective and show me that if I'd carried on without his intervention... My health would have failed, resulting in me being unable to have any longevity in ministry. He knew that conversation we'd had in the shower could have been my imagination, guys. You know, I'm not, I'm not going way beyond that. But, but that's what happened. And so now, with the events that happened afterwards, I began, as I've done over the years now, to start to interpret it, start to listen to his voice. And back to my hospital stay, I was now having revelations of fourth dimension through my AirPods, and God began to remind me or highlight things I'd already knew and also give me new revelation. As the days went on in hospital, I experienced great weight loss. I actually lost 28 pounds in one week. And back to going to the loo, it was fluid leaving my body, most of it, but... You know, I'm I'm lighter than the last time you saw me, that's for sure. But uh, that's what happened. However, my progress began to shock the doctors. Tests were starting to come back good. And by now I was receiving prayer, exactly as Ellie said, prayer from all over the world, not least from this locality. I was released from hospital days before they had said I would be. And on a practical level, I was strongly reminded that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and we have a responsibility to look after it, not just come out for healing. We have a vision for health, healing and wholeness in our in our church and it's got to come into it, not just come out of the front, you know, if you want that, please go for that as well. But, but you know, I, I didn't care what, what I was eating really, within reason, you know, but... I, I, I'd, I'd learn when I was young. Eat whatever you want. You're not going to put weight on. You're too active. All of that stuff. You know my, my my philosophy on it, which is another story. You know, a long story of what God's doing in me at the time. But anyway, that's what He said to me, and I've changed since then. If God was working on my heart physically during my time in hospital, I saw it as an opportunity to work on my heart spiritually. And I'll tell you, I did some surrendering. I did some surrendering. And that's why I brought the the line out that holiness, he does it. God does certain things in order to increase our holiness because holiness is the best way to live and the most rewarding way to live. And we've got a world that crowds in on the church now, haven't we? Tempting us out of it. And honestly, I was probably in the worst position you could be in getting saved because of my lifestyle at that time. Loving God, loving his people as I said, loving church yet carrying all this baggage. I, I was still I was a pastor within five years of getting saved and I used to think, honestly I used to think this we were in, they're on the valley in Wales at the time. I used to go home it was like two meetings on a Sunday as it used to be. I'd drive home Sunday night and I'd think, if only they knew <laughs> I'm the most needy person in this church, and I was the pastor. But I didn't realize then the power of formation and how to get out of formation and get reformed to the degree that I do today and realize that God's way is the best way, a most rewarding way, a most powerful way to live our lives. Adam wasn't born a sinner. He became one. Before he sinned, he was walking in the glory of God, clothed in it, actually, because he was functioning in the fullness of agape love. This is why mankind could be entrusted to rule, to reign, take dominion of planet Earth, not incidentally over other human beings. That came after the fall. But God entrusted the rest to us, to, his, to man made in his image, The connection to the Father was untarnished and therefore perfect. So Adam, before the fall, is is so connected to God. God can entrust him with everything because the agape love has not been broken at this point. So God's saying he chastises us, uh, he he chastises us back into the, the revelation. Of that Jesus did not come to start a church, he came to bring a kingdom. And the kingdom, this is what's happened. Let me do an illustration. Is 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 God and Adam and the creation of the earth and all things are going well. Adam is fellowshipping with the Father in the garden. He walks with him. He's he's ruling and reigning. He's naming the animals. He's way beyond our Uh, comprehension of of God's initial creation. Then the fall comes. We lost a kingdom. We didn't lose a religion. There wasn't a religion at the time. God's kingdom was on earth. So Jesus comes and, and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus comes, he restores the kingdom. But man gets hold of it and he replaces it. What's the difference? It's not a big mystery. Come on, Dean, you're bright. What's the difference with what's happened here? The, king, the keys are no longer where they were. So instead of us understanding how the kingdom works, we've learned to understand how church works. Now, we call Kingdom Life Church, as a lot of you would know. And I didn't know at the time because it used to be the Dream Center. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not critical of that, except God started to say, it's time to change the name of the church. We're Elin, but Kingdom Life Center. And I didn't realize it was going to start to emphasize the kingdom to my heart, the kingdom of God, that the church is a servant of the kingdom. Because we can go to church week after week, but not live as kingdom citizens. When that changes, your daily life starts to be as a kingdom citizen. When you start to live as a kingdom citizen, you start to see this is where the benefits are. This is where it is. That connection, uh, that connection back to the Father is intact. Praise God. So, before my admission to hospital, God had been speaking to me about metaphorically moving from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Most of you would know that process. But the caterpillar crawls into the chrysalis stage. But during the process, the caterpillar is 100% transformed. You, I, I guess you all know that. 100%. Crawls in the chrysalis or wraps itself in the chrysalis. 100% transformed. Metamorphosized. It's the word Paul uses in Romans 12.1. Be metamorphosized through the renewal of your mind. So until eventually, the caterpillar that's crawled in, although it's still the same creature, comes out of the chrysalis as a butterfly. So God had been speaking. I'd actually been teaching on it a bit. And during the process, it has to go through what Paul Scanlon refers to as identity suicide. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's right, it has to die, you know, the football thing. I didn't. 22 years I played football, from seven right through to 29, I didn't realise what an idol it was in my life. I didn't realise how strong that idol was. I still like watching it, et cetera. But, you know, I see part of what happened to me in Wales the other week as a 65-year-old, I was still carrying something, that, you know, at one time in my life had been above everything else in my life, and... Keep it, keep it, but keep it in its rightful place. So God was now showing me that his intent was to redeem us, recreate us internally, then restore us back from degree to degree into the glorious state that Adam and Eve were in before the fall. But we've become used to a lot less. We've been used to accepting a lot less than scripture says we should be able to have as children of God. And the revelation was enhanced with this. The caterpillar crawls at the same level as the serpent. But the butterfly soars above him. So how was I going to apply this to the church? Well, through my study of the fourth dimension, I saw the need to understand the difference between the logos and the rhema. These are the two Greek words used to translate word. I knew this already, but I didn't know it to the degree I do now. The logos is the general word of God, introducing us to God, who he is, his ways, what he requires of us, and the way to eternal salvation. And, of course, uh, the most prominent verse with regard to logos is in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, I studied Greek, but I don't know much Greek, but I do know this, enake eno Logos. In the beginning was the word. Keo Logos and Proston Theon. And the word was with God and the word is God. So it's the Logos. God introduces as to the, 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 one of the members of the Godhead now. Jesus is on earth looking like us, acting without sin like us. And, and, and God says, there, there, there I am personified. If you want to know me, he's like me. So we now have that identity. And that's why Jesus said when he washes the disciples' feet, he says, now I give you a new command. It wasn't new at all. It was in Leviticus. You must, what? Love, agape, one another, as I have loved you. There's the clause. And we say, yeah, we do love. We're the church. We love. And God says, wow, you're a long way off what I mean by love. So the rhema, I've learned increasingly, is a specific word for a specific person in a specific situation. The rhema is is the translation of word used in the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God, the word of God. So we have the logos, the general word which introduces you to God, shows you his ways, puts the hope there. I tuned in when you said it right at the beginning of the meeting. Puts the hope for the future, where are we go all of that. But when you're in hospital bed, you need the Rhema. You need the Rhema to build faith because it's no use hoping, just hoping for heaven. Fantastic. Nothing beats it. But you need God now. Are you with me? You need you need God now, don't you? You need an answer now. Ellie needed an answer. I needed an answer. Others of you needed an answer. And and, and you know the word. You know the Logos, you know the outcome, the eventual outcome. But maybe you need a rhema. If you've got age on your side, let me encourage you. Draw on your youthful inner man. You're not old on the inside. Don't mean you have to do that much practically or physically. But man of God, woman of God, rise, draw on the youthful inner. Shake up, stir it up. Stir it up. We're in a a huge battle. And let me say this. I have a heart for this whole region. I'm I'm the leader, obviously lead pastor of a church, Kingdom Life Church. But, you know, this whole region needs the Lord. Our zone, our Elim zone, the Lord. Alone, Lord. Blythe, Blythe Church is no more. Used to be an Elim church there. There isn't now. We need to pioneer new ones. Consider the following. Peter Peter is in the boat. Jesus is coming towards him. Peter asks him, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. Peter says, if you're Jesus, tell me to come. Jesus just says one word, come. It's the rhema. If it had been one of the others, it might have sank. I don't know. But what I do know is he got the rhema and he walked on water. What about uh, Paul blinding Elymas, the sorcerer? Paul, through words, blinded a person. Now, I've got it written down, but I'm, I'm watching time, so I'm moving quickly through it. Paul didn't and couldn't blind people at his will. Imagine if you had that power. What would you have done to people? Silence their tongue, Lord. (laughs) If If you had the power to just do it, Paul didn't. But because God was there at that moment instructing him, he did. It was the rhema. The rhema comes, you see, through waiting on God and reconnecting with God if necessary. That's when the answer comes. At the beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit hovered over the formless earth until God was ready to speak. Oh, hallelujah. 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 The way forward, my goodness, in my own life, my understanding, waiting upon him. I'm, a, I'm, I'm somebody who absolutely believes in prayer. We've had all nights of prayer, several times in Kingdom Life Church, We have three prayer meetings a week because I've understood, guys. I'll tell you what, I understood a long time ago I cannot do this and it's still the same. Though I've been a pastor for 30-some years now, missionary for nine years, I cannot do this. So I'm relying on somebody who can and it's not me. And I... You know, I've been in that place for many years now where I put my reliance in him. And why, why I just pause then is I love those moments that I'm trying to develop and encourage people within our church. I'm trying to encourage them. You can do this. You can, you can hear God and act on it. You can hear God and speak into somebody's life. You know, it has to, has to be governed well. I do understand that. But I want that to be so. But it's no use if it's just coming out of you. In fact, it'll put people off, so you've got to spend time with God. You've got to be listening to him. You've got to be connected to him. The caterpillar then crawls and sees life from the same vantage point as the serpent, whereas the butterfly soars beyond the reach of the serpent. It behoves us to be metamorphosized then until we are completely renewed. As we learn to operate in the fourth dimension, We begin to soar, and at the right time, directed by God, we will speak and it will come to pass. If you don't know Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho, David Yonggi Cho, he changed his name for whatever reason. He started with about 10 people in Seoul, South Korea. He was miraculously healed himself. He went on to build Yoida, Full Gospel Church. Over 700,000 members in one church. He got something right, didn't he? 700,000 in one church. And he operated out of what I'm saying today. He did. Prayer deposits seed. And the seed needs watering through obedience. There is usually an incubation period. But becoming a new creation in Christ gives one the potential to be restored back to God's original intention for man. That is, at least to some degree, as Adam was before the fall. Yonggi Cho says, People think that they can believe on the word of God. They can, but they fail to differentiate between the word of God, which gives general knowledge about God, and the word of God which God uses to impart faith about specific circumstances into a man's heart. It is this latter type of faith which brings miracles. So all the way back to those years, guys, when I'm lying on the floor in this pastors and wives meeting, broken completely, no future whatsoever, completely devastated by what was going to happen to Debbie and my kids because I knew I was going. And then I got a word. It wasn't a normal word. It went straight into my heart. You've sunk But you will rise and you will not sink again. And I I thought maybe I'm sinking again. But you see, that's why I'm on my knees surrendering. Is there anything? Show me, Lord. I want to live properly. I want to live right. I want to live a connected life to you. I want to love as you love. I want to be all that I can be as this whatever I was that you dragged out of the gutter literally and turned into a pastor And I don't want to stop. I want to continue, Lord. I want to have the health to be able to do it. Because I'm just starting. I'm only just learning to understand you at the degree that I can. Let me say this to you. There are times when God will not show you why something is happening to you until his purpose is fulfilled. Then he will reveal it to you. That's what happened to me. Yongi Cho again says, Rhema is given to that specific person who is waiting upon the Lord until the Holy Spirit quickens Logos into Rhema. If you never have time to wait upon the Lord, then the Lord can never come and quicken the needed scripture to your heart. Now, I'm conscious of time. Can I go five more minutes? Am I all right, Dean? You're policing this. There are two aspects to location. One is internal, and that is within us. The other is external and is more related to the obvious use of the word. When we're born again, we're relocated into the kingdom. When we repent, we're relocated into a right relationship with God. When when we change position, we're more likely to hear from God and act on it. Now, I'm going to scrub the rest. I have a few more things, but I'm coming to this because it's vital that you know this. We've been moving house for a few weeks, and the reason is the landlady who owns our house in white, wide open, we didn't want to move, but she wants the house back. It was her parents' house, and she wants to now live in it, so she's claimed it back. There's no, no problem or anything, but that's just how it is. So we've got two weeks, less than two weeks in our present home. We didn't have another house. We wanted to live nearer the sea, so we told God this. You know, and word we had earlier about trusting God we actually got, got a, a, a house, at, I think they call it Panorama View, smack on the seafront, further down, down towards uh, St. Mary's there. We thought, great. So it was a flat, a penthouse flat. And we looked at others because we wanted to live near the sea. So, so um, anyway, we, we're all set, and Debbie got a phone call. Literally, she cried her eyes out because they said it's fallen through, the landlord doesn't. You know, he's he's going to either move in or do something. So we didn't get it, and we think, well, we've got to move. You know, that was a, about a week ago, just over a week ago. So we brought this to the church last Sunday just to pray more. You know, to to consider prayer. We said we don't we don't necessarily need to live on the seafront, but we'd love to live near a Whitley Bay. You know, and near walking distance to the front. So. On this, we have a Sunday evening service at four o'clock, where, where I'm encouraging people to use the gifts, etc. It's different to the morning service, and um, so, I you know I talked about in the morning, not the evening, but this, some two ladies prayed for us in the morning, felt keep trusting, John, keep trusting. You know, it was a, it was more of a, a general word than rhema. In the evening, a lady. Lovely lady within our church. She came to me and she said, "John, within three days, this is going to be settled. You'll have your place." And honestly, I thought, I thought, three days? Houses don't come within three days, you know. And I felt she, she's relatively young in the faith, and I thought, I don't want her to be disappointed, you know, that this didn't work, you know, that, that she said this three days, not kidding. When we got home we got an email that we had a place. Now, we, we looked at this place a few weeks ago, and it didn't work out for various reasons, and we happened to be moving into Jay and Fiona's flat. As they move on, we're moving in. And we looked at it a few weeks ago. Honestly, it was a miracle. I'm not joking, because it had been blocked. It wasn't on, and we weren't even sure. And we had this place anyway, you know, a bit nearer the sea. But we liked it. We looked at it. I was able to tell her, I said, my goodness, you'll never believe this. Sunday night, not three days, Sunday night, we knew. So it's going through at the moment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are more than we have yet become. That's why I want to stay on earth. I, I, I tell you, oh man. God wants to do some apostolic stuff in his in his body. Why what, Jim yourself, you, I know you're still preaching, you were telling me earlier, go for the best years of your life, bro. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't have to sweat that, you're a retired man. You, you know, get the necessary rest. But hey, you've got vast experience. Why why would God, there may be others here, why would God stop us when we've got all this experience and just say, get your feet up at Whitley Bay. Fish and chips on the seafront. I do that regular, by the way. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. I'm handing back to my friend Dean in a moment. Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for this church, Lord. Thank you so much that we are part of the same denomination. Lord, in a sense, it means nothing because we're kingdom people. But you've you've put us for a reason, that we're in Elim, that we're part of the Elim movement, we're honorable to our movement. I want to thank you for every saint in this room right now, Lord, it's going through transition period, and I pray only good will come, Lord. We can genuinely say, Being great momentum over the last couple of years through the leadership of Jay and Fiona, and, and uh, I've been able to see that, Lord. We prayed for that before it even happened, and we want, Lord, nothing lost into the future. Will you choose the right person, people? To come and fulfill the role that is needed here in Acorn Church. Lord, may the best days be ahead. May those who who may be carrying something still, yet it's it's, it's just gone dormant, perhaps, may there be a stirring. May there be a rising. Lord, I believe you're always wanting to do new things. You're always creating new wineskins. You're always pouring out new wine. May it be true of Acorn. May it be true of Kingdom Life Church. May we together make a difference in this whole area, Lord, along with our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the good churches that are around this area, particularly in the city, Lord. We bless you for them and thank you that, that uh, the future is good. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.